the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. This is a book called Domestic Extremist, a practical guide for winning the culture war. Spencer Clavin wrote about it. In an age of absurdity, jokesters are the best truth tellers. Peachy Keenan's online wit conveys real life genius. Real life genius. Well, Peachy Keenan, the author, joins us next. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya podcast. We are living in a weird time. We talk about this all the time on this show. Uh, We don't know how to define what a woman is. Somehow we know how to define what a man is, but not a woman. I'm not really clear on why that is. Our politics are like in a place that I don't think they've ever been before. We're just a, a society and a culture that seems to be fighting an internal war. Well, an author named Peachy Keenan has written this book, Domestic Extremist, A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture War. So if you feel like you're behind in the culture war, she's going to give you some tips. She's going to join us in a minute. First, breaking news. Genucel has upgraded their most popular package to feature their top-selling deep-firming vitamin C serum. I love that stuff. Plus, ultra-retinol moisturizer with natural retinol alternative. Right now, take advantage of this limited time package upgrade for 70% off. So why waste time and money, you know, going out and getting injections or other kind of work done when you can have this stuff delivered to your door and it really works? Here's a Genucel.com review from Robert in Texas. I purchased Genucel as a gift for my girlfriend. She said she saw results so fast, so we joined the concierge program immediately. It's honestly the best skincare she's ever used. She's extremely impressed with all the Genucel products. Her skin is noticeably softer and smoother. I can see and feel a difference too. She was already beautiful and Genucel has made her more beautiful. Well, I concur. I I've, I love all of their products. Genucel's secret is this family recipe that's been around for about 20 years. It makes it safe for all skin types. Hey, it works for men and women. It's made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches. It's always safe, cruelty-free, and natural. So go to genucel.com slash Michelle. Do this now. Save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package. It features that Genucel Ultra Retinol and the Genucel Firming Serum, both of which I swear by. Don't wait. Go to Genucel.com slash Michelle with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Save over 70% off. Michelle, uh, Genucel.com slash Michelle. Get a complimentary spa essentials box with every package order, plus free upgrade to priority shipping. Genucel.com slash Michelle. Genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Peachy Keenan joins us next. Peachy Keenan, welcome so much to the show. Welcome so much. Big welcome. I'm really enjoying the book, Domestic Extremist. Um, How has the response been? Um, It's been a really amazing uh, week. It, it, It came out a week ago today. 
And um, honestly, the response has been overwhelming. I'm like so much enthusiasm, so many great reviews. People seem really excited about it. I was not expecting that at all. I mean, I was really more worried about like the pushback or like, you know, I would get like hate messages on Twitter. And so far, it's really just been like a love fest. So I'm I'm pleasantly thrilled. Yeah, yeah, I I'm so surprised about that as well because mm-hmm. you really do push back on some narratives in here, and there are some you know narratives that are really popular with the other yeah. side. Um, right yes. off the bat, you go into you know being a woman today in this society and what's been sort of taken <clears throat> from from women, and right. you know I just spoke at Charlie Kirk's TPUSA um, oh, wow. Young Women's Leadership Summit. And I kept mine fairly generic, just about here are some things that I hope will help you get through life in a peaceful and happy manner and one that's purposeful and fulfilling for you. I didn't really do politics or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I saw that Charlie just got hammered for suggesting, you know, uh, that, you know, fertility has its limits and you Mm -hmm. might want to think about having kids if you're going to have kids. Why is that so controversial, Peachy? Yeah, it's really amazing. I mean, these are these are things that used to be common knowledge. They were non-controversial within recent memory, and now they're just totally taboo. Like you are not allowed to suggest things like fertility comes to an end. You know, I don't know. I think you know the science is basically settled on that. I mean, if you look at any reproductive uh, medicine clinic or doctor, they're raking in the dough. They're driving Lamborghinis. Okay, here in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills, the fertility clinics. They're doing great. Why? Because women have been told you can wait as long as you want and you really can't. And I think that, you know, that truth just goes against the narrative of, you know, work, focus on your career. Don't let a family, you know, waylay you, delay you. This is the most important thing. This is how you provide value. And honestly, it's just really been like a smokescreen from the truth about what it is to be a female. Who even knows what a female is anymore? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I recently watched What is a Woman, uh, the film, and it mm-hmm. I I think I can't recommend it highly enough for people who haven't seen yeah. it. it is, it's really, yeah. no matter how you feel on the subject, there are some <laughs> stunning points of view that come across and you're mm-hmm. like, wow, I, wow. So it's really <laughs> interesting. But, you know, I think, are we going through a... A, a real snapback here. We, we, you know, look, it wasn't until 1920 mm. that women got to vote, right? So it, women were very much in the house, raise the kids, cook the meals, sew the clothing, you can't vote, and then they could vote. And now since then, we've just, we go through the roaring 20s, right? We get to this point where the sexual revolution, all of these things, but now 
it it feels and you point this out in in the book as though um <laughs> what, you know this notion of what it even means to be a woman is really it's almost mm-hmm. like someone put everything in a blender and put it on high and I you know. don't even know anymore so what yeah. what do you think it means well, yeah, it's really been remarkable. And I think there is a snapback, like you say, a little uh, a pushback starting to happen with young women. You're even seeing like they're making TikTok videos about how they're dissatisfied with feminism, how it hasn't provided the happiness, the promise of, you know, you can do anything. They're finding out that they really can't. They don't feel that way. They feel like something's missing from their life. They don't they they realize they have a maternal instinct that was somehow neglected and ignored. You know, no one ever told them about the maternal instinct it's very real and it's spectacular and they're not allowed to even access that. And when they discover it, maybe it might be too late. And now they don't know how to go about even starting a family. I mean, the early feminists had a good point. Yes. Women, I'm happy women can vote. I'm their, their initial, their initial, um, you know, the motive behind their movement was to prevent women whose let's say husbands died from having to resort to prostitution to feed their families. And they wanted them to be able to work. That's fine. I'm a working mother. I'm a working woman. But there's no denying that when you to raise a family, someone's got to do the actual raising of the family. And you can only outsource so much. At the end of the day, you and your children and your general happiness are just really not very well served by the current state of affairs for what families have to go through just to raise their children and and the outsourcing of it. No one's happy about it. It really is interesting. I, I'm living proof of the the idea that fertility comes to an end. We had a very, very, mm. very difficult time oh, um, wow. because I'm I sorry. did. I put my career first. Yes. No, it's you know. Listen, it, it. I did. I put my career first. I was under. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know until right. I went to a fertility clinic when mm-hmm. the doctor sat there and said, "I'd like to show you this chart that distinctly shows right. how women's fertility rates drop off at 35." This is what happens. You are now 38. And so your chances are going to be far less than when you were 33. So, okay. Now, fortunately for us, after many trials and tribulations, worst point of my life, honest to God, worst point of my life, not being able to have a baby. Yeah, it was, it's, it was awful, but somehow miraculously we had a son and then we said, now we get to adopt and we went and adopted a little girl. So life is good. We built our family, but you know, but I think peachy had, I had known had I really known, uh, you know, maybe the calculus of my decisions would have been a little bit different, but that does Mm -hmm. that even saying it out loud makes me feel like I'm so old fashioned. Right. And it's just science, right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm so sorry that you went through that. I mean, you're not alone. So many women go through that, even younger. And, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of research on this in the book. And I found that on these fertility websites where you can, you know, donate your eggs or freeze your eggs, it will say in the fine print, you know, warning, just because you're freezing your eggs doesn't mean you will ever be able to get pregnant later. Because guess what? You might, you might freeze the eggs. You can't freeze your body. You're not freezing your uterus. Everything else is getting older too. And so it's just become this like, you know, no one, you're, you're only given a little piece of the truth and not the whole picture of how the, the female body works. And I mean, honestly, if I could go back, I would have started younger also. 
I didn't start having children until my 30s. And I very fortunately was able to have like the size family that I wanted and even threw an extra one in there <laughs> for good measure. But, um, you know, one, one of the things I say in the book is that women in their <laughs> women in their 20s, I mean, these are these are your your prime years. You're at your cutest. You know, you're at your most uh, charming, your youngest and your most fertile. And I think women are, are right now squandering, happy to squander those years on, you know, a, a string of randos they meet on dating apps. And I just think, you know, what a waste that is. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I think, you know, all of this comes down to values and mm -hmm. uh, the, the values, um, that different women possess are, are, are really something I, you know, if I, if I suggest to some women that there should be a continuum, that there is by nature, a continuum, you get pregnant and right around nine months later, you're going to deliver that baby. Now, a lot of pro-choice pro people will say, you ought to, you're, the, you're the one housing that baby. You ought to be able to abort it whenever you want in that space. I disagree. Yeah. I, I think that's crazy. Um, and so while I believe that there is a, a period of time uh, that, that some women in those situations who, are, who just simply can't mentally, whatever can't provide for a child... Mm -hmm ought to have the option to, to have an abortion, but I don't think it should go beyond 15 weeks. That's me. Um, but people think I am like an, an, just the most conservative trans, whatever phobic bigoted, you, they'll call me any name in the book because they think that that's radical. And right. I, I just wonder how you think we got here. Well, I mean, I think it definitely started with the sexual revolution in the 60s, um, telling women that they can be like men and have a long string of relationships with no consequences. And the thing is that men have been only too happy to go along with that, um, you know, consequence-free <laughs> sex. They've been, they've been, they've been happy to be yeah. feminist allies the whole way through because they're reaping all the benefits and they don't have to, you know, pay any of the prices. But women do. And I think that, um, you know, in terms of abortion, obviously, I talk about that in my book. I'm a pro-life Catholic. Um, you know, I think, yeah, yes, there's a reason there's a there's, there's a discussion to be had about reasonable limits. Um, I get it. You know, I get, you know, rape and incest and all of that. But yes, the idea that you could that's that it's somehow women's health care to think you can abort. Uh, a 39 week old fetus. I mean, that just seems barbaric. I mean, that's just common sense. Um, but the ideology has trumped morals, has trumped, you know, the human heart. Like we are, we are in a world where, uh, that is just nothing matters, but the woman's, woman's choice, woman's decision. And there are other people involved in this decision. You know, it's like my body, my choice. Well, the baby has a body too. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, that, um, it, again, this is, this is such a, a hot button issue, especially right now. And with the Dobbs decision and all of that, it really yeah. has become mm -hmm. a divisive political issue that so many on the left are using to fundraise and all the, and scare people, quite frankly. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, there's, there's so much in the book that made me laugh <laughs> and that made me think. And I, I, I'd love to know how you came to decide that domestic extremist, a practical guide to winning the culture war was, was the right book for now. Like this, this obviously when you're a writer, you, something moves you to write. What was it? Uh, well, I wrote an article for um, the American mind um, 
before I wrote the book. It was called, I'm not a domestic extremist. I'm just extremely domestic. And I think it was really in response to, to um, you know, the pushback that I had gotten and some of my friends had gotten by having large families and living in a blue, dark blue um, city and, you know, being acute, you know, you people give you dirty looks and they accuse you of being like, you know, religious fundamentalists and just like this crazy, you know, freak. And um, it's very weird to live in a in a place where you are some kind of outcast because you chose to you, you chose you chose to exercise your fertility, you know, early and often. And so that really came out of that article. I thought, you know, domestic extremists, that, that, that'd be a funny title, like a little spicy. But then we saw over COVID, um, regular normal parents were called terrorists for like protesting in front of woke school boards. And the mm -hmm. people who were going to the traditional Latin mass were on an FBI watch list, <laughs> you know, because they were like, that's a conservative um, parish or whatever. And so I just thought, well, this is like, you know, there's something going on here in the culture where things that were considered normal, you know, being a devout Catholic, having more than three kids, um, you know, monogamous marriage, suddenly these are like extreme positions to have. But I just feel like we're we're the normal people. <laughs> so I just thought the title would be a funny kind of ironic way to to frame things. It's uh, it is. And, you know, I, I, in getting ready for this interview, I perused your Twitter feed, too, just to kind of get a sense of the things that oh that, that speak to you. <laughs> no, it's it's good. Uh, listen, I, no. Look, if you're willing to put it out there on Twitter, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's, that's right. courageous. And it's you're you know what you're going to get. This whole Trump thing that's going on right now, you know, here yeah. it, the, he's been accused. He's the first president to ever face federal charges. First former president to face federal charges. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are, I think I've, I've listened to reasonable people on both sides of this. Mm -hmm. uh, former uh, attorney general, William Barr has said, Trump did this to himself. He's toast. If this is correct. Um, you know, some political commentators have said this is absolutely political. This is a, a sitting president going after his his foe. Um, and and you have suggested that people should coalesce around Trump and support him, at least the other Republican candidates. And, and actually, I loved your you, you put it this way. Um, Oh gosh, I want to find it. I want to find it. You said something about if if there were a bunch of other authors out there who were writing stuff like I did, and they got stomped down, and I, you know, hopped up to number one on the charts, I wouldn't feel good about it. Do I have that right? Yeah, basically. I mean, um, look, did Trump make a mistake with storing the documents or whatever? I mean, potentially, but that's a document issue. That that is not a, a treason whatever they're calling it. I mean, it's so egregious what they're charging him with. And the prosecutor, Jack Smith, I mean, he is a known, renowned Trump-hating fanatic um, working for the, his wife works for the Obamas. I mean, this is not, you know, no one is above the law. Give me a break. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where Joe Biden, literally we have proof, smoking gun proof that he's accepting millions of dollars of bribes from uh you know foreign foreign companies foreign countries that's never <laughs> you know talk to me about trump when those crimes that actually do risk national security which actually do put us in yes. great danger talk to me about trump when those things are taken care of did trump burn documents did he delete documents like hillary clinton did he no did he sell documents was he selling secrets no 
Joe Biden was doing that. So that's how I feel about it. I, the thing, it makes me sick. And it just proved, I think it's just a scare tactic to scare any of his supporters. You know, if he goes down, they can get him. Who, can, who can't they get? You know, like, am I going to be put in a gulag because I wrote the wrong thing or whatever? It just, it's, to, I find it to be terrifying. And so my tweet is about, you know, it's fine. Like, I'm happy there's wonderful GOP candidates and there are a lot of great candidates. I'm sort of agnostic, you know, about who wins. I don't think we have great chances next year. Um, but it just makes me a little bit, it, it makes me feel a little bit weird to see all these candidates kind of using his uh, potential imprisonment to kind of boost their own political career. And wouldn't it be nice if the whole team could like say, that's it. Like this is beyond politics yeah. now, you know, forget the election. This is not okay. Yeah. It, it There's been a lot of that in our culture that isn't okay. Um, mm -hmm. I talked earlier with a guest about cancel culture, that that's probably yeah. a tame term for what some people have gone through, losing their mm -hmm. jobs, losing their livelihoods. Oh yeah. Uh, for, for thinking the wrong thing, expressing the wrong thing. I thought this was mm -hmm. America where freedom of expression and freedom of speech were protected. I've had a lawyer say to me, Oh, do respect, but that's only the, only the government can't infringe on your freedom of speech, but your employer sure can. Well, I don't know. This is, it's getting to a point where I've seen really good people get thrown out of jobs, get thrown out of their careers yeah, uh, because of something that they believe in, something that they want to express. And that quite frankly, as you've said, 50% of the country agrees with, but the other 50% seems to be in control of this cancel culture. So right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I guess there are a lot of domestic extremists out there who feel kind of cornered and maybe fearful uh, that they just want right. to live their lives. What, what right. would you tell them? Well, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the book was to build morale for all of us who feel like we're stuck in these foxholes, you know, we're all alone and we're all, we're hiding. And I mean, I was in, I was in the closet for a long time at work and I would hear people talk about how they wanted all Republicans to die and they wish the Republicans would just, you know, disappear and we need to destroy like horrible things. And I would never, <laughs> I was scared to yeah. say a word. And I think the main difference really between the, the right and the left these days is, you know, we don't want to hurt anyone. We want to be free. We want to be free to express our opinion. We want to be free to raise our families without interference, without being called a bigot or whatever. If we teach our children, there's two genders. We don't want to be called these names. We want to be left in peace. The, the other side, and we're fine with people on the left. I'm fine having liberal friends. I'm fine having pro-choice friends. I, I really don't care if someone's cool, like, great. They are not like that. You know, the minute a friend or a, co or a colleague finds out that you are, you know, on the dark side, you're this fascist suddenly, you're this Nazi, and they want to go after you and they want to, you know, yes, fire you, ruin your business, call you out, call your employer, dox you. Um, it This seems to be, they seem to, to be much more vicious, really, Frank, on the other side than we are. And I think that is because that's really the difference between the two sides. And so I'm hoping with this book, people can kind of have a little more moral courage. Um, I don't recommend acting like them, but we certainly need to stop sort of like shrugging our shoulders and like, you know, running away and scurrying and hiding. Or also apologizing. I mean, yeah, the minute you apologize, apologize it's not right. enough. It's never enough. They will right. continue and come at you and come at you. And people mm -hmm. are learning that in very difficult ways. Yes. I hope that this does do that. I'm a big believer in courage and standing. And, and I, I'm like you, Peachy. I, th I feel like, hey, I, I've got friends who are 
politically very different for me. I have other people in my life who have said that when you said dark side, I laughed because yeah. I was invited onto a podcast of someone that I used to work with. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me as, uh, as she went over to the dark side. Right. And I, I immediately realized I was being ambushed on this podcast. I was not on wow. for the reasons that he invited me on. I was on oh to gosh. be attacked for my, my beliefs. And mm-hmm. it was brutal. And wow. I, I went through it and I, and I, I, I held firm and I just said, you know, there was half of me wanted to say, you know what? This isn't a civil conversation. I got to go. But I knew what they would do with that, that they would try to make me look yeah. like a coward, try to make me look. Uh, so I just stood there and I stood in there and I took the slings and the arrows and I fought as best I could while trying wow. to maintain my calm. It's not easy for everyone yeah. to do that. But I think yeah. your book is encouraging that to at least not cower. We can't, we need more courage, don't we? <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, I've been, you know, empowering some of my friends and family who have have little kids um, this month in the LA public schools to opt their children out of like the pride month. Um, You know, every day is like a new pride activity. And it's like, it's way beyond just draw color in a rainbow. It's, it's, it's drag Queens in the kindergartens. It's full scale indoctrination all day long, all day long for like a week. And so a lot of them have opted out. They've took the kids home for the week. Um, and they don't care anymore about the other, well, what will the other parents say? I don't want to be, you know, what if I don't get invited to the birthday parties or whatever? People are over it. Like they're done. And yeah. so you saw here yeah. in LA and Glendale, a bunch of, there was like a fight when Antifa, it was like, these are, you know, Armenian, it's Armenian school district, basically Armenian American, and they're not having it. And Antifa attacked these Armenian dads basically and there was like a fist fight in the street over a school board meeting that was putting like highly sexualized content into the elementary school where it doesn't belong and so you have to ask yourself why do they want little kids to know about this stuff so badly they really want little kids to know about what all these words mean and what you can do with your body with whoever anytime. And uh, I, I, I know I, they're very courageous. And so I hope people read the book and realize like you can stand up, you can opt out. I don't want anyone to get fired. You know, I don't, you know, if you're anonymous on Twitter, you can stay anonymous, but we do need a little bit more moral courage. I think. I, I, I agree. Um, you bring up the stuff about kids. And I think when parents start to see all of this stuff influencing, not just their own lives, but their children's lives, some families are totally cool with it. They take their kids to drag shows. Okay. That's on them. That's fine. (laughs) But to, to place it into schools Mm -hmm. where children are registered students and expected to attend, that's another matter. Now it's, now you're, you're kind of, you're, you're, I I don't want to say you're forcing it because as you said, these parents can take their kids out for the week, but think about that. Think about, then they go back to school the following week and they're probably saying to their friends, what did you see? What did you see? What, why did you go? Why didn't you go? You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot going on, Peachy. I feel like so overwhelmed sometimes by frustration and anger and, and just, so mm-hmm. you feel that too? You feel like you wake up oh, and, and go, oh God, is it over yet? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, every morning I wake up, I look at the news, look at Twitter. I'm just like, every day is like a new low. I feel like, have we reached the low yet? No, we haven't. I mean, on Friday, um, you know, the Dodgers are going to be honoring. Everyone's been talking about this group that the Dodgers are honoring at Pride Pride Night at Dodger Stadium. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which is a group that is notorious for mocking and spitting on Catholicism and doing basically like, you know, highly sexual strip shows with Jesus and all this crazy stuff. And they're getting a community award and everyone's like, oh, these homophobic, these homophobic Catholics, they hate, they hate gays. There's been a, dra- a, a pride night for 10 years at Dodger Stadium. No one ever cared. <laughs> it was fine. Like we had no problem with it. It's this particular group that is being now held up as this family friendly, these folk heroes, these civil rights leaders. They are one of the main uh, sisters is a. Uh, hardcore pornography director and producer in San Francisco. This is who we are now supposed to worship. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, my only, not my only hope, but I hope that the pendulum is swinging so far in one direction yeah. that it has no choice but to come down and settle at some point here. And in the meantime, <laughs> I guess people like you, people that we associate with and whose, whose characters we admire, we will toe the line and hold the line in, in the meantime and, and just hope that some sense yeah. of sanity can resume. This is a tremendous read. I, I recommend Thank it you. to anyone. Thank Domestic you so Extremist. A Practical Guide to Winning the Culture Wars by Peachy Keenan. And you can follow her on Twitter at Peachy Keenan. Uh, it's it's really funny and it's really eye-opening and uh, it's a book for our time. And I, I congratulate you. Thank you so much. Yeah, at at Keenan Peachy on Twitter, if anyone wants to follow me. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. At Keenan Peachy, at K-E-E-N-A-N Peachy on Twitter, at Keenan Peachy. You'll find her. Look her up. Yeah. It's, it's a good follow, by the way. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for being with us. This is the Michelle Thank Tafoya you. podcast. As always, like Peachy, um, be brave and, and do good yeah. out there. Little bits of good to counter the evil and, and the courage. Everyone, everyone listening, be brave. You got to stand up. You got to. Otherwise, uh, we'll all be, you know, crushed. <laughs> <laughs> On that optimistic note, thanks yeah, for listening, everyone. Peachy, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Michelle. <laughs>